The sermon text is the second lesson from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 15, verses 4 to 13. Indeed, whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that through patient endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we would have hope. And may God, the source of patient endurance and encouragement, grant that you agree with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that with one mind, in one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For this reason, accept one another as Christ also accepted you to the glory of God. For I am saying that Christ became a servant of those who are circumcised for the sake of God's truth, to confirm the promises made to the patriarchs. He also did this so that the Gentiles would glorify God for his mercy, as it is written, for this reason, I will praise you among the Gentiles, and I will sing to your name. And again it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples give him praise. And again Isaiah says, There will be a root of Jesse, and he is the one who will rise up to rule the Gentiles. On him the Gentiles will place their hope. Now may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. What do you hope for? There is a kind of hope that really isn't much more than a wish. For example, this time of year, there are a lot of people, especially children, who are hoping on Christmas they will receive certain gifts. And maybe they will get them and maybe they won't. And that's hope. The way we usually use the word hope is just kind of this general optimism, kind of a Charlie Brown brand of hope that this time Lucy will leave that football where it's supposed to be and this time you'll be able to run up to it and give it a mighty kick. But it's not really based on anything certain. What is Christian hope? How does a follower of Jesus hope? Through Paul's letter to the Romans, God teaches us that Christian hope is confidence. It's total certainty because the hope of a Christian bases itself on what God says. And it bases itself on what God does. Paul writes, Christ became a servant to confirm the promises of God. And this is the basis for real hope. Certain hope. What God has spoken and accomplished in his son, Jesus Christ. Sometimes, though, we Christians do subscribe to that flimsier kind of hope. Just optimism that insists everything's going to be fine. Everything will turn out okay in the end. But that hope disappoints us and it can even devastate us because sometimes... As we wait for Jesus to come, we become tired and discouraged. Our lives fill up with problems, sometimes things that we never would have predicted 10 or 20 years ago were ever going to trouble us, and those things start to fill up our lives. I don't think anybody has ever hoped to be in a car accident, and yet they happen. Nobody has probably ever sat down and thought, I hope that today I'm going to have a fight with somebody in my family, and yet those squabbles do come, and then... What happens to that hope that's just optimism? We have to beware a little bit 
of the hope that just insists everything's going to be fine and everything's going to turn out okay. Real Christian hope is not just a wish that everything will be fine in the end, but it is a total confidence that we cannot find anywhere inside of ourselves or anywhere around us in our world because it is all about what God says and what God does. Paul writes, Whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that through patient endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we would have hope. The Holy Spirit inspired the writers of the Bible. It wasn't just to give us a list of do's and don'ts, a book of holy etiquette. Right? Of course, God's law, his rules are there in the Bible to show us our sin and teach us how to live godly lives. But mostly, the purpose of the scriptures is to give us a record of what God spoke and what he did for us in his son, Jesus Christ. And this teaches us that God is the one in whom to put our sure and certain hope. Paul says, whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we would have hope. Now, in order to draw this full hope out of Scripture that God wants us to have, he is inviting us here to consider the examples of believers who have gone before us. Because when you look at the lives, the examples of the saints who lived before us, it teaches us that troubles are going to come into life, that sometimes life will downright stink. But God's promises remain sure even when life is rough. And that is real hope. You could think, for example, of somebody like Job, who lost everything in this world, his wealth, his health, his children. You could think of someone like Joseph, who was betrayed by his own brothers and sold into slavery, and then falsely accused by his master's wife and thrown into prison. Or King David, whose own father-in-law, Saul, and later his own son, Absalom, plotted to have him killed. If any of these people had based their hope on how they were feeling inside of themselves at that moment or the events that were happening around them in their world, their hope quickly would have been devastated. But they set their hope on something else. God's promise to bless them, to save them, and to work all things for their good in the end. See, these heroes of faith in the Bible, they weren't just tough. They weren't just brave and stoic. They were people who knew how to hope to base their hope on God so that even when life does stink, your hope remains constant. So, as Christians, we do more than wish that everything will be okay, that everything will turn out fine in the end, because troubles do come into our lives. And all of the troubles that come, whether it's financial, family relationships, health, whatever it is, they can all be traced back to the same root cause. It's our sin. To one extent or another mars our relationship with every human being that infects our physical bodies and finally destroys them and warps our minds away from God. But long ago, God spoke. He spoke, he made a promise, and then he moved. He acted. He kept that promise. The incarnation, the holy life, the death, the resurrection of his own son. Paul says Christ became a servant to confirm the promises. 
Jesus gives us true hope. He is confidence that our sins are forgiven. So Jesus is also our confidence that the same God who promised and delivered on the forgiveness of our sins will work all things in this world for our good, even the things that are not fine, even the things that are not okay. Jesus is our confidence. Same God who promised and delivered salvation from our sins remains in control of all things, even the things that are not fine and not okay. He is our confidence that the same God who saved us from our sin will finally save us from all the evil in this world. So Christian hope is not a nebulous wish that everything will turn out fine. It is knowing that everything is going to turn out perfect in the end because of what God said and did in his son, Jesus. Now this hope that rests on God's words and his works must be patient. Patience is difficult for us. We are not patient by nature. About a month ago, I went to the optometrist and was told I could probably use some glasses. Okay. So I picked out these handsome frames. Some would call them dashing. I wouldn't. They're handsome though. And I took them up to the receptionist along with my prescription. And the receptionist said, your glasses will be ready in about two weeks. That's what she said. About two weeks. Fifteen days later, I sent a text to the office that said in part, quote, I could have learned how to make glasses myself in less time than it takes you to make them. That was the polite part of the message. Now, that's an extreme example of impatience from a weekday of sanctification. And of course, I'm sure you're all more sanctified than I am, but maybe you could even think of a couple of examples of your own life where patience faded away pretty quickly and it's fading faster and faster from our world and from our lives. This hope that rests on God's word and works has to be patient. And that's one of the great values of this season of Advent. Advent is designed to cultivate discipline and patience. Because in the season of Advent, what do we see? That way back in the Garden of Eden, God promised the offspring of the woman to crush the serpent's head. And it took him thousands of years to finally keep that promise. He took his dear, sweet time to send our Savior. But finally, he did it. He came through on his promise. He did it on his own timetable, but he did come through. And the fact that our hope is in God also helps us to be patient. We know from our relationships with, with other human beings that it's easier to be patient with someone if they are a generally honest and reliable person, right? If you are dealing with someone who is usually honest and reliable and they say, don't worry, boss, I'm going to get it done, I'll come through. It's easy to be patient with that person because they are reliable. You know, sooner or later, they will get it done. On the other hand, if you're dealing with a human being who tends to fib a little bit and is not very reliable and they say, don't worry, I'm going to get it done, you might be checking your watch and tapping your foot while, they're waiting, while you're waiting for it to get done because you really don't know. God is perfectly honest. He cannot lie, and he is totally reliable. And that helps us to be patient with him to keep his promise. When we remember in the season of Advent how God kept his promise of a Savior, that he took a long time, but he finally did do it, 
when we remember that our hope is, in, is divine, it is in the one who always tells the truth and always comes through, we will be patient as we hope for the Lord to save us from every trouble in this world. Now, when a person has this hope that rests on God and is waiting patiently, what is their life going to look like? May God, the source of patient endurance and encouragement, grant that you agree with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that with one mind, in one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So first, this hope produces unified worship and glory for God. It causes his followers to come together and to worship him with one heart and one voice. Because God gives us hope. He gives us all hope. And he gives us all exactly the same hope that unifies us, brings us together, and causes us to worship God as one body. See, if God tells me, individually and personally, that I have this hope in Christ that cannot fail, that eventually he will deliver me from all trouble, of course I am going to raise up my individual, personal voice of praise to God. But if he tells you all at the same time that you have the same hope, it's only natural for us to praise God together. And this patient hope that we have with the Lord, the patience that we show him, will also show itself in how we treat other people. It will show itself in how we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ. We will treat each other with patience and harmony. We will also show patience to the people in the world in general. Even the people who aren't followers of Christ, we will show patience to them too. Even if they do take the better part of a month to make one pair of glasses, we will show patience to them. And this is important for us to remember as Jesus' people in the coming weeks. Because in the coming weeks, what are we going to see around us in our world? An awful lot of impatience. People cutting each other off in traffic, huffing and puffing while they wait in line and elbowing past each other at the store. Jesus' people will be different. The same patience that we show with our God to keep his promises, we show to each other and we show to all people. This is what Christian hope does. It brings Christians together to worship God with one voice and it spills over into the way that we treat each other and we treat all people. So now, we listen to St. Paul's closing blessing that he gave to the Christians in Rome, and as we hear it, we ask God to bless us in exactly the same way that Paul asked him to bless the Romans. God, fill us with hope that rests on your word and on your works. Let us hear what you say let us see what you do for us in your Son, Jesus Christ, and let us overflow with hope that because you have saved us from our sins, you will save us from every trouble in the end. Now, may the God of hope fill you with complete joy and peace as you continue to believe so that you overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.